welcome back to the SBP podcast, Mobile Filmmaking. You're listening to episode 91, and I'm your host, Susie Botello. Happy holidays to our friends from San Diego and around the world. I wish you the very best during this season. In this episode, we bring you to the UK to talk to our new friend, James Smith. If you listened to our previous episode, episode 90, Caroline Spence and I discussed two feature films entirely shot on smartphones and the many twists and turns that she and her partner experienced. On this episode, we meet James Smith, who was behind the camera for both of those two films. We had a very thorough conversation about the differences and the similarities between traditional and smartphone camera filmmaking. Everybody, welcome to the SBP podcast. I want to bring you to the UK. If you remember our last podcast, we spoke with Caroline Spence. And Caroline spoke about two feature films that were shot with smartphones. And right now, I am speaking to the person behind the camera, James Smith in the UK. Uh, James, how are you today? It's fine, thank you. Um, yeah, as well as can be expected under the circumstances. Yeah, why don't you, just because for historical documentary uh, documentation uh, purposes, just just briefly share what is going on in in your part of the the woods there. Well, I'm in uh, Leicestershire, which is right in the bang in the middle of England, and um, this was actually one of the places that was you know, worse affected by the um, pandemic. But uh, recently the, you know, the virus seems to have uh, spread further south to southeast into London and surrounding areas. And um, yeah, and mutated or, you know, there's another variant. So uh, there's a lot of um, information in the news that we're trying to work out at the moment. So yeah, it's pretty scary, I'd say. Yeah, well, I hope that we can uh, bring you and our listeners away from the madness of everything that is going on around the world right now. Uh, uh, people are listening to this, uh, according to the statistics, uh, 16 different countries, James. Really? Uh, they're listening in 16 different countries? Well, that's amazing, isn't it? Um, I won't be able to fly to any of those countries probably at the moment because <laughs> they've, they've blocked all the airports. But no, I think the podcast is going really well, isn't it? Uh, I certainly enjoyed the last one with um, Caroline, and um, yeah, it, it's great. I think that I'm not sure there's one in Britain for um, mobile film, phone, uh, you know, filmmaking with the phones, but uh, there should be, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a great idea. I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you to go ahead and get that get that ball rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to add to the to the things I'm doing at the moment. That'd be good, <laughs> right? I know that um, that when you listened to uh, Caroline's um, last episode, and for our listeners, that was episode ninety, um, that uh, it inspired you both, and maybe it had a little bit of pushing to do with me pushing a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, that I really would love for you guys to to make another uh, 
another film with your smartphone. Are you going, I'm going to put you on the spot here in public. Are you <laughs> willing to do that? <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting actually how these things work because um, as explained in Caroline's podcast, I, I was never really a, a big advocate of um, mobile film phone making. Um, and I'm not sh sure why really. I think it was, I was stuck in the um, the DSLR mode with, with the lenses that you can change on those cameras and the, the, that way of working. Um, because originally I'd come from stills photography. So I think gradually, I think Caroline persuaded me to have a go. And in fact, um, this was during, during a shoot that was aborted for a film called Cyberlante. The, the first um, version, if you like, of the film was aborted because we had problems with the crew who some some members kind of disappeared on us just at the last moment. So Caroline said, well, why don't get a film and make the film anyway, uh, a phone and make the film anyway. And uh, that's what we ended up doing. So that's how I got into that. And now um, it's, uh, it's opened other doors in that we shot another film called Surveils uh, last year, currently in post-production. And, um, and now you're persuading me to make another one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, filmmakers got to make films. Yes, I, I think that is very true, actually. And, and when we're not making films, when, you know, we're not, when we haven't got a shoot planned, it, it kind of gets a bit worrying. And certainly in this pandemic, um, yeah. uh, you've still got to find a way to make the film. Indeed, people have been making films with the Zoom um, software or, or you know, in diff under different circumstances in a more contained way. Um, so in a way, we're kind of ideally set up to do something like that. Um, but leading on to that... Um, Yeah, we've got a film called, uh, shall I say, this is a thinker, which we've been working on a, for a while. Yeah. Uh, it was originally set in Spain, but we're, we're kind of uh, looking at the idea of maybe filming that in uh, your neck of the woods uh, with a phone. But, um, you know, we're kind of, this came about because of the your podcast, your discussions, and this is how things evolve, isn't it? You, you get inspired, you talk about it, and indie filmmakers find a way of making a film in a different way, you know. Yeah, there's one thing that I've noticed through all, all the time that I've spent talking to people about mobile filmmaking is that filmmakers, when it comes to mobile filmmaking, um, filmmakers inspire themselves just by doing it and talking about it and sharing their experience with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's like um, any art form, really. You know, it's no good playing the banjo or the flute in your in your room you've got to you know uh, mix with other musicians and then get get your band together haven't you um but and certainly with filmmaking you know you need to listen i mean we listen to your podcast and various blogs and things like that as as with others and read magazine articles and that kind of thing or online and in print form actually and um, you know you just keep up with what what's going on and i think i was listening to a podcast recently whereby a film promoter um, was saying that indie filmmakers really need to do that. It's, am it's amazing how many people don't keep up with what's out there. Um, so I, I guess it's a way of keeping up with the trends. Also technology, because in this sector, the, you know, your sector, the mobile film thing, that is it's moving pretty quickly. And um, I tend to follow Twitter quite a lot because you can pick up, um, uh, you know, the latest snippets on exactly what's happening in the tech, in technology and how uh, phones are being used in, in that context. Yeah, most definitely. 
Um, let's share a little bit about James uh, with um, with our listeners, um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your background um, with our listeners, just to give them a clearer picture of where you're coming from, and um, and and why you're on this journey of making films. Like, what brought you here? Yeah, it's a, I'm well. I, I guess I'm one of the um, mavericks or sort of uh, different kind of filmmakers in that I wasn't formally trained in any way. So uh, originally I uh, studied software in uh, college, not too far from where I am now in Leicester. And um, yeah, I kind of did, um, I I then went on to work in offices, um, basically a computer desk job, I guess you'd call it, where I was uh, writing programs and doing various technical stuff like that. But it didn't really, um, it didn't really suit me. And after, well, after a couple of years in a uh, permanent job, I, I then went freelance and then uh, was on the road for many years. Um, you know, just using the using the industry to fuel my other interests, which were um, photography, travel, and uh, outdoor sports generally. You know, so I, I was kind of not too happy with with my life in in the career sense. Uh, but my mother was running a um, overseas property business at the time in Spain, and I started doing photography for for her her website actually. And um, it's little things that like that that change direction. If I rewind the clock, I can I can almost see my you know my life changing in that I was you know unbeknown to me at the time it was changing because I was um, doing more creative stuff, traveling, uh, using these photographs to create websites and then it developed on into um, getting involved in video there was the video revolution I think it was around I don't know um, 2004-2007 Caroline and I got together and we decided we were suddenly going to become TV documentarians or whatever you call it you know Caroline was doing presenting and I was um, operating this these little video cameras um, and then, and then we started doing. We couldn't make uh, a break into the television market, and I it, very, very difficult, of course. And it's not a sector I was completely happy with. A little bit like software. So we were just doing things to make ends meet, really. You know, uh, business videos, little commercial videos, and that that kind of stuff. And eventually, we started. Um, making our own documentaries which we for which we had screenings and we were able to sell dvds and 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 do our own stuff basically rather than become you know subservient to a a large television organization which really was the kind of thing you know that that permanent employment uh, wasn't really something we wanted to do it was something we wanted to get away from originally anyway and so finally um then what happened was we we thought well you know we're very interested in feature films. Caroline was an excellent writer, has always been writing and started developing screenplays. Um, so we shot a few short films or one short film, I think. And then Caroline started developing feature length screenplays and the rest kind of has evolved over the last, I'd say, 10 years into using the latest, um, well, affordable technology to uh, you know, produce these indie films that you'll see on our website now. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, I simplify really, but it's been quite a story, traumatic in places. <laughs> <laughs> How did you meet the people that that 
have been working with you uh, with these actual films? Um, a lot of it is by chance, really. Um, you know, um, people get to hear quickly if you're making a film on the grapevine. Um, you know, obviously actors, when we put casting calls out, they, uh, they gravitate to us naturally. But it's surprising, really, you know, um, if, if we um, are resident for a while, which is usually not long in our case in a particular area of the UK, we, we kind of get to know people and then word gets around that you're making a film and then various people have um, popped up. Not always um, what I would call film professionals. They're not always full-time film professionals. Often they have an interest in film or they're enthusiasts um, or students um, or graduates from university who are, who are looking to develop their portfolio in the film business and then um, we, we get involved that way occasionally um, you know depending on the budget we will hire people as well so it's it's been a gradual process to get to know the network in Britain which is pretty small um, almost like a it's almost like a cottage industry over here the indie film business um, people will say otherwise perhaps but I, compared to America it's pretty small well I I actually think that no matter where you live um it, the the community for the the filmmakers wherever you happen to be is always going to be a little smaller because it's a very unique field to get into and it takes a lot out of people um you know you got to get up at three in the morning be on set by five so that you can get you know call times are, are crazy and then the next day you find yourself in a completely different location but you know what you're going to start at you know, three in the afternoon. Um, yeah, you right. know, so it's a little, it's a, it's a little nutty and you, you know, you're working 12 to 14 hours a day, um, a minimum of 12 for the most part, especially in the heat of the production. Um, you have to troubleshoot, you have to, I mean, there's so much in that, that I think, um, once you find your crew, right, your people, <laughs> yeah. they, they kind of stay together. But a lot of people sort of um, fall off the edge of the cliff on it later. They they think they want to do it, you know, and then yeah. they get some experience and go, this is definitely not for me. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, actually, because um, I think over here sometimes it's a different culture over here, really. You you forget how different we are. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just <laughs> over here, the, the, the fact that you've just mentioned those um, – you know, crazy hours and 3 a.m. and then the next day 3 p.m. or whatever it is, is the is the reality often of the film business. And um, I think um, you you know that latest um, episode with Tom Cruise in I think he was filming in Britain actually, and he kind of went off on a rant about uh, some crew members. Yeah. And um, you know, I think when you when you're working all hours and it's a big project, there's a lot of responsibility, or even a, a small indie project, um, you know. The, the pressure is creeps up on you and it can be quite intense and um, the, these things happen you know I'm, I mean I'm a pretty relaxed person on set generally but there there are moments when it can, it can tip you over the edge and you have to be careful but the culture as I was just mentioning in Britain is not always accepting of the harshness of the business and the flexibility required from cast and crew you know um, some people in this country, I think, want to tie it down into a very formalized kind of almost like a nine to five job. But my view on that is that um, 
the nature of putting a film together just doesn't lend itself to that kind of uh, mindset. I think you have to be, you know, like the mobile filmmaking crowd, very, very adaptable. And it's almost like a, a passion. Uh, I wouldn't say that you have to be obsessive about it, but I think you have to have, be driven in a way that you probably might not expect until you give it a go, you know. And then once you get the, the good thing about all of this is that uh, once you get a taste for it, um, you then <laughs> want to do it again and again. And I think I think there's been a few a few uh, films. Well, the film called Do Something Jake, which was just shot down the road here years ago it was kind of a zero budget film literally it wasn't shot on a phone but there was one point where it was freezing cold it was in the evening everyone wanted to go home i think or wrap the shoot i think on a friday mm-hmm. and um you know i was on my hands and knees and in dirt and everyone else was crawling around in this old uh, abandoned building trying to get the last few shots and that sounds I, awesome it does doesn't it yeah i, I was yeah. enjoying it but i you know i could see that some people were flagging somewhat and i I said, um, you know, does everyone still want to be in the film business? And <laughs> this really great guy called Nathan Iffill um, piped up and he said, well, we're still here, aren't we? <laughs> so, you know, we, we all had a laugh about that. But there you go. You know, it's that when people talk about passion, I think that's what it is. You you, you have to, you must do it. You know, it's just not a case of wanting to do it. It's something inside you says that you must do this. Well, there's a, you know, for people who are not used to it, right, uh, they go on the set and they see the crew and they think that the crew must be, you know, sniffing coke or, or on speed or <laughs> something because they don't, they can't understand the energy. But that yeah, energy yeah. is driven by the passion of making making things happen. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I wouldn't advise uh, snorting coke and t- you know, no. <laughs> well, smoking weed and all that. But I think uh, I have had, I have had crew members and I dare say cast people who are definitely on something. I wasn't exactly sure of the substance, but um, <laughs> well, kinda... it, it, that's but that's what I'm saying is like it. it sometimes it seems like they are on drugs. Yeah, because yeah. you know it's like that superpower you know, of the heat of the moment, you know, where you, the adrenaline yeah, um, that comes out and people, a lot of people just don't understand that. And, it, and it's not a drug. It's, I mean, the drug is the passion, you know, that's where the energy comes from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've done um, a lot of kind of, well, uh, extreme sports in the past. I wouldn't, I use mm-hmm. the, I use the word extreme advisedly, but cautiously because you know, there are some fantastic extreme sports athletes out there that do the real thing. But I, I've touched on on the area and um, I guess I could say that I was a bit of a adrenaline junkie um, for a while. And I guess when I moved, I suffered various injuries and just basically uh, had to deal with various things that, you know, precluded me from, you know, going windsurfing or you know, skiing off precipices uh, for some time. So I was looking for other things to occupy me in a physical sense really and strange enough filmmaking is an intensely physical process as well as a mental one and I think that's something that does fill the gap if you if you see what I mean I think it uh, it kind of is a buzz uh, there is some adrenaline going and, and strangely enough we had um, I, I remember a crew member on about well after a few hours of the first shoot he, he was tired and um, obviously struggling and then the second day he was a bit better and the third day 
well, he was flagging again. And then it, finally he had a couple of days off and went off to do some other easier video shoot, I think. Um, mm. But strangely enough, we got a call saying, I just can't wait to get back on set because what happened was when he was away doing this other video shoot, it wasn't as intense, quite boring apparently, and he couldn't <laughs> wait back to get with us. So there's an example of initially when you're going through the hardship, um, it feels bad and worrying and actors get insecure and you're, you know, they're trying to just get through it. Um, and there are all those worries and concerns. But I, I say to people, just hang on in there and you will find that you will get through it. Um, but you have to kind of remain professional, even if it doesn't seem like a professional production. Uh, hang on in there and you will benefit later on, but it won't be easy. It, I don't think many sh film shoots, if they're, you know, of, a, of any substance, are, are easy. You know, they're just not. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the slogan that I always use is that you have to have a, a backup plan for the backup plan and then a, <laughs> a backup plan on top of that because everything that can go wrong will go wrong and you need to count on it. But you still plan and, and, and you, you kind of know, you know, you, but, but there's always that thing that happens, you know, and um, it's like puzzle pieces, you know, you all have to move together. Yes, I, I think, it, and it is teamwork, really. You know, I mean, I never really thought of myself as a um, a team player necessarily. Um, I was, um, I'm, I'm the sort of person that's quite happy, sort of sitting in a room all day reading a book or playing the guitar, or going for a walk on my own. And then, but then, uh, I, I'm also very happy, you know, amongst fifty people. And maybe if I'm in charge of. 20 or 50 people that's fine as well so I think um, yeah you kind of um, you kind of get used to the environment of filmmaking which is very diverse and you might indeed find yourself you know sometimes on a shoot it'll just be Caroline and me and we'll be sitting <laughs> you know be in this large building with only the two of us getting an establishing shot or doing something and then the next day we might be with 20 people you just don't know so you have to be versatile and as I say somewhat driven in this crazy business all right okay so you're driven we're, <laughs> we're talking about driving now um let's talk about uh driving yourself into the smartphone film the the first one cyberlante because uh, i remember from a conversation with um with uh, caroline that that you know like you said earlier something fell through and then you found yourself with this wonderful location, right? Um, and then she decided, I mean, she was writing the, the screenplay as you were shooting it. Yeah, I mean, it was um, a disaster, really, because um, <laughs> the, the first shoot was uh, completely abandoned, really, because the, uh, well, I, I call him the director of photography, but I think that's maybe uh, too much of a compliment, because... Um, <laughs> It just didn't seem to be able to get Let's his Let's just acting. call him the camera guy. Yeah, the camera <laughs> guy with the camera. Um, but, yeah, he, he went AWOL, and um, Caroline and I were, I just remember the day now, um, or the night now, sitting in the in this big building that we'd hired. So I'm say to Caroline, we're going to have to pull the shoot, you know, we're going to have to cancel this um, disaster because it was complex and there was a lot of actors, some of whom had flown from Europe and other places to wow. to take part in this, you know, that's how popular um, 
the, the filmmaking is. People are really into it. So anyway, it was a we didn't really have a contingency in the form of another DOP, and that would have been difficult anyway. You know, it's you can't just slot people in that easily when, especially when the budget's very low indeed. So it was at that point that we um, we just you know started thinking about um, changing, changing our whole philosophy, using a phone and being extremely flexible. So we developed a Caroline in about uh, the space of three or four days, put together a, uh, a fresh screenplay, and then which wasn't fully complete. Obviously, we hired some other actors in a completely different variant of the film, and then started um, shooting it on this phone which we had acquired. From uh, from Amazon, it came in the post, and then I set it up, and uh, in in its basic form, you know, without any real attachments apart from a stabilizer, and um, we started shooting as Caroline was filling in the uh, areas of the screenplay. I mean, halfway through filming, we were still saying, "How's this film going to end?" Or, or at least, <laughs> do we need any more actors to come in? So yeah, I mean, it was it's a great story looking back, but uh, dare I say, a little bit stressful at the time. <laughs> Yeah, but I think part, uh, actually, you know, you had the experience of making movies before. What was the difference between that, you know, and having to substitute a phone camera for a traditional camera? I think um, in some ways it um, eased the pressure of having to um, it basically resets, if you like, your your mindset into having a more simple filmmaking philosophy um, which is not a bad thing because you you basically we basically just had the one lens that was then the you know the uh, default lens in the camera and so there was no lens changes required um, we needed to um, occasionally use what's called an ND filter which was used outside to um, bring the lighting level down um, yeah. within the camera uh, but apart from that it was it was basically just a story, 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 and yeah, a little bit of um, lighting embellishment here and there if we could manage that. Um, but it, it essentially changed the whole way in which you prepare a scene, uh, shoot it, and then move on to the next. It basically sped up the whole process and changed the nature of the film. Um, I think I, it's an interesting one, and I think a lot of people should make... Um, Films with mobile, uh, with uh, you know mobile, mobile phones. Can't get the word out because it's a good sort of um, way of bringing things back to basics and then looking ahead to saying, okay, well I've learned that from the phone and now what are the other tools out in the trade and do I even need to use them? Because a lot of filmmakers will will be staying with this format, I think, because of its versatility and certain sort of look that it gives. So I think with um, with Cyberlante, uh, it perhaps um, helped us to produce a film and not be too ambitious because maybe the original version wasn't going to happen anyway. You know, it was perhaps too ambitious, and it's always a, a problem with Caroline and I. You know, we start with a fairly simple idea and then we get excited. <laughs> Before you know it, you've got a uh, you know, a Spielberg movie, which you're trying you to shoot. To make a, you went to make a cookie and ended up with a wedding cake or something. That's right? a beautiful way. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we need to, you know, remain at the cookie level. <laughs> <laughs> the cookie cutters. Um, well, one of the, the, the challenges with the phone sometimes is with lighting. And uh, I don't know if you guys 
because your your camera guy took off with the camera did he also take off with all the other equipment as well yeah they just um he he had a buddy this guy and uh, they just uh, mm. I, i i actually said you know um you know i don't want to work with you um at the end of the conversation because what he was trying to do is trying to say well i don't want to be have my name against this as the uh, cinematographer dop yeah. so there's a level of snobbery there and he said but but i will I'll be okay to be the camera operator with my friend. So, you know, um, I immediately said, um, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm certainly not going to pay you because we were paying these guys. And uh, they came back the next day. Uh, a few heated words were exchanged. They got their gear and went. And I think it was a good idea that they went quickly. And then we we, we started regrouping immediately, uh, Caroline and I. Um, and they actually, the, crew, the, the other crew members that we had, um, including a cool guy called Don Russo, who's, um, who was doing the sound, you know, the boom operating and helping us with a number of other things, was disappointed. But luckily, a few days later, I said, uh, we might be back on shooting on a phone. And he was straight back in and helped us again. But I think, you know, there's, there's an example of, uh, there, is a, there is kind of a bit of snobbery in this country, I think, about this way of filming. And I, th I think we need to catch up with America in that sense. Um, You know, it's a strange thing to say, but um, people seem to think of a camera um, as, uh, you know, some degree of status. It's, it's been the case for far too long. And I think I, I just say, well, what acquisition format are you using? You know, it's better to leave the word camera out because if you, you know, if you strip back um, the filmmaking process, you're, you're basically just recording an image on some kind of format, whether it's electronic or celluloid or whatever, you know. So this is this is an experience that has taught me to, um, you know, persevere and work with the right people, and the right people won't really bother what you're shooting it on, you know, or what it looks like, as long as you know they, they're happy with the project and get a good feeling about it. Indeed, the actors often have been very very good um, because they don't care what you're shooting on as long as as long as it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In my world, mobile filmmaking, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. But in, in outside of that, there are still a lot of people in the industry and students who, you know, will shun away from it, at least for now, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. Until they're forced to not do that because they really want, they really want to make a film you know, and the budget's not there and they find themselves in a situation where they go, you know what, let's just go for it. Yeah, that's right. I think there has to be, there has to be a point whereby you have that um, reality strike you where it's just not going to happen and you've got to make it somehow. Um, Caroline and I have had this a number of times with our films, you know, we've been delaying and delaying and waiting for some quite big finance in the past, you know, and, and often it's not forthcoming. And, you know, the money that is said to be about in the industry often isn't, or it's difficult to get, or it goes to the same people, you know, almost like a preferred supplier network here in the UK. And you can see the channels through which it goes. So, which I'm opposed to, and, you know, in a lot of cases, and, You know, I have been vocal about it, but I think you, you just then have to say, okay, well, how can we move on positively from this? And that is to, you know, get up and make a film with, um, 
whatever camera you can get. Um, luckily, the smartphones now are really excellent and it comes down a little bit to what are you trying to do because very often an audience's perception of what they call production quality and visual, the visual side of um, filmmaking uh, is very different from producers and sales agents and people actually market Hollywood films and you know other independent films that are shot in different ways. So it's very interesting that when we released Cyberlante and actually some of our other films, they people were saying, "Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know or care what that was shot on. I just like the, I like the film, and they they, they actually like the cinematography. Well, they call it cinematography, but you know, it, I, I guess it is on a on a phone. But um, it didn't feel like I was a cinematographer when I was running around a field <laughs> <laughs> in the freezing cold and in the mud and everything." But it is, it, it, it's just a different a different way. And the audience often um, do not know or care what the camera format is, um, you know, how it was shot. They're just really interested in those characters, really interested in, in the story. This is not to say that everyone should um, in some way diminish the idea of having, you know, exquisite production values and great lighting. You know, some of those things you see on Netflix and Amazon, even the the TV series are incredible. They've spent millions, but often, um, surprisingly, they they just don't work or they become boring because they're too perfect, you know. And I, I think that's always been uh, niggling at the Hollywood kind of style or it's, the Hollywood philosophy, isn't it? It's the it's the business. It it's turned into such a, a business where you know it must have the ROI, right? The the, yeah. the return of investment, um, which is, you know, in case somebody didn't know what that was. And so, you know, that's the, the, the freedom that you get with the phone where you owe nothing really to anyone but yourself um, and your crew. Let's not, you know, yeah. forget about that because, you know, <laughs> I've worked on films. It's like, whatever happened to that film, you know? Um, and, you know, the thing is that because you don't, you know, there's been so many instances. First of all, j just to complete a film, you've already succeeded, right? Because yeah. there are many films that get started that never get completed. And, you know, in your situation, congratulations, because you turned that, um, you know, I love it. You know, I love the story behind that first film and, and the other one as well. But, um, the thing is that you have that freedom. You don't have the funding, the people who funded it that you owe money to. And that's, um, I want to talk a little bit just for a minute about the way you're funding this next film. It's not a mobile film, but I want to, I want to talk about that, but it's not like this one, this mob type of a person who's like a loan shark who just gave you this money. It's like, well, you're going to have to do it this way and that way. And I want, you know, you got to have Pepsi or something in here because they're the ones yeah. and, and I don't care if it ruins the scene, you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. Uh, but you have, you have, and, and I want to talk about that because I think that's really cool. And our listeners are probably going to love this, that you don't, even if you need the funding, you don't need the funding in that way anymore because now you have a community uh, that can submit the, the funding for you in pieces, right? Yeah. 
and it's not that same experience anymore. It's it sort of appears, uh, or it seems like from what I've seen, a lot more interesting and creative, um, and you get more out of that. Um, can you share a little bit about your funding campaign for and your and your new film, even though it's not mobile? That's okay, guys. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we haven't started shooting yet, so you never know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, crowdfunding was something I I was never that keen on years ago, and we tried a few small projects and and didn't really succeed in the campaign. But it was Caroline who persevered uh, once again. Caroline to the rescue. Um, so you know, there you go. I wasn't keen on mobile phone filmmaking, and I wasn't keen on crowdfunding. And now, if you roll it on a few years. Um, Caroline persevered, changed my mind for me, <laughs> and now we've got some quite successful things happening, you know, using those techniques. And uh, I think crowdfunding is great because, as you say, it's a different way of um, getting, well, first of all, building an audience so that people are interested in the project um, and who will hopefully later, you know, um, invest in it more by buying the film or watching it or just supporting it generally. Um and then also you're not, as you alluded alluded to there, you're not tied in financially. Um, it's almost like having a mortgage, isn't it? If you if you find a lot of money from um, an investor or someone like that, um, then you you basically, if you, if uh, someone gives you half a million dollars or half a million pounds, you've then got to go and produce a film and find a way of making that money back. Um, now in in crowdfunding, the agreement is a little bit different in that you have a responsibility to deliver certain things, but there's not that huge pressure and formality that is required with large finance. Um, and and also it makes it makes things possible from a grassroots level. You know, often when you approach um, finances or related people in the film business, you you need to tick a number of very big boxes before you can even get through the door or, or they'll even respond to your email. I don't like that side of the business, to be honest. And yeah. they, they filter people out um, through various means in the, in the UK. You, know, you've, uh, you have to already have had a film distributed and signed by a major sales agent <laughs> and all these other things. And you have to have a named actor or three. Um, but with crowdfunding, you say, right, I want to make a film. This is the deal. Uh, we need so many people to you know, buy DVDs or become associate producers. And this is what we're doing with our next film, Casting Kill, which um, at the moment we're, we're um, you know, going through our first campaign, crowdfunding campaign with that film. And um, we're about 40 odd percent um, funded at the moment, which is not bad, you know, for production. Um, and then and then we just keep going until we, until we get that money and then, um, shoot the film and then you know there are ways then to post-produce the film with other crowdfunding campaigns so it's extremely flexible it's very um good for mobile film making type projects i would say so i think um if if you're struggling to make a film and you do need some form of money rather than just shooting for nothing with your friends or something then it's definitely worth considering well and you should because i mean yes you have a phone but you should have that serious side to you because you are developing and producing a product in the end. It is, um, it is something that's tangible in the end. Even even if it if it ends up online and not on a big screen in a theater, uh, especially with considering how things are going today, um, you do have 
a bit of a responsibility. And if you bring your friends along, right, you kind of want to, I mean, you don't just want to give them pizza and say that was fun, goodbye, and nothing comes out of it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I I think, um, you know, you've got to, it's it's like um, I learned this years ago. It's like if you if you don't take what you're doing seriously, then you can't expect other people to, you know. And I think when you in in the creative world, you know, it's all very well to say, well, let's just um, have fun, eat some pizza, and shoot a few scenes, and and then, you know, often these films don't ever get finished, which is right. um, which is a shame because you never know. You know, you might think, well, well uh, you know, it was when we were filming Cyberlanto, they were. Dare say, I, dare I say, times when I felt that um, I wasn't quite sure where this was going, <laughs> um, or what we had. You know, it was difficult to know whether the quality was going to be um, good enough for anyone to watch. Um, you know, not just you can't just expect your friends and your mum to watch it. You've got to get a lot of other people. You know, if you're serious about what you're doing, to like this film. And when you're when you're making a film. Um, Often you don't feel right about it, but that doesn't, you've got to put that aside and keep going. Um, it often will feel weird and um, you, you might look around on set sometimes and people are, maybe they appear bored or they're um, not taking it seriously. Um, but when you're the driving force behind a film or the director or the producer, you have to keep going. And you never know what people are thinking because sometimes when they're, you know, sometimes when actors are goofing around on set and not, you know, you think, oh, what's going on? They're not really taking this seriously. There's usually another underlying story to that. Often they're very nervous. Um, and you, you you think, blimey, that person was nervous. You know, later on, people were saying, you know, God, you know I should have identified that. But um, people do strange things when they get nervous or, or um, anxious about the challenge of acting or being on the crew or whatever and you have to be aware of that and it just because you're holding a small a small mobile phone and uh, it doesn't appear like a Hollywood film set doesn't mean that people are taking it very seriously so what I'm getting around to is that if you're going to do it you've got to do it and you've got to do it um, in a committed way and you don't have to be all you know serious and stern or anything like that but you, you do need to have a certain level of professionalism um, regardless of what you're shooting it on. So, you know, that that's how we got through the films that we've made, is we just keep going, basically. Well, it can be fun to work hard. Um, and, and speaking of that, what happened with Surveilled? Um, because that was another thing, right? Something happened there, and it sort of froze you, like, what are you going to do now? And, of course, Caroline came to the rescue, yeah, I yeah. I think uh, it was you want to Caroline again <laughs> saying, uh, "Let's make another one." You know, <laughs> I I can't quite remember the sequence now, but so, um, so I think yeah. you started with a with a pixel, which is the same one that you use for Cyberlante, right? Or uh, yeah. or maybe that's what happened after, or you started with a different one, but then something broke in the middle of it. Yeah, that's right. You've reminded me now because um, I forget these things. There's so much going on. But um, yeah, we. the interesting thing is we started filming Cyberlanto on the Google Pixel, uh, or the original version of it. And um, I, I thought, well, this is really good. And the images are really sharp. And we were checking it and it all looked great. And we wrapped the film. That, that was all good. But um, 
it occurred to me um, when we started shooting to surveil that none of the images, none of the scenes in Cyberlante were particularly dark. It was all fairly brightly lit or indeed outside in the daylight, whereas surveil was a much darker and uh, subdued look in places. And what happened was we were starting to have huge problems with um, film noise, uh, grain basically, mm. um, unsightly. It was just unusable footage that we were getting in some of the the, um, the darker shots. Um, I have a feeling the phone might have updated its software as well um, to exacerbate the problem. But anyway, it, it ended up that we, we were unable to shoot anything in even slightly dim conditions. So um, also we had a, a situation where we, we were using an anamorphic lens attached to that phone, which had a certain housing. Um, and that uh, that meant that we couldn't quick, easily just change the phone go and buy another one because um, right. we had this housing that was specific to the lens, a bit complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what, what I decided to do was we said, well, we've got to have another phone. You know, we can't we can't continue like this. So um, we uh, we sort of mid mid shoot changed format and started shooting in a uh, you know HD sixty nine aspect ratio, which is more standard kind of format. Whilst waiting for another phone and housing to be delivered for the for the anamorphic. Uh, lens uh, so essentially we we had to change phones and it and when people see the film i don't know whether they'll pick it up or not again it's about this audience perception where, whether they recognize these technical things um the film is actually mixed format of some shots um hd 69 and the rest are anamorphic um which is a kind of a stretched widescreen kind of look yeah. and um yeah, it's. Um, I, I think in some ways it, it, it's uh, a, a big learning lesson that really, um, and also, you know, a, a story of having to be flexible and not panicking. You know, just continue the shoot. Uh, you're shooting in another format. It's not the format you want, but will the audience know or or care? You know, and they probably won't as long as you, as long as you um, make sure that you. Uh, you know, attain a certain quality, and also make sure that the acting is good, etc. So, yeah, it was a, it was just a, a real f film, phone making, film making dilemma, really. I think uh, using that format, but luckily these days, if you do have a problem, you can, you can look around and say, who's got a phone, you know, <laughs> and then swap that, swap it over, you know, and that 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 was happening, you know, so that that can happen. So what? What lenses did you did you happen to have, if you don't mind sharing? Um, on Surveilled, we had um, an, a moment anamorphic lens, um, and that was it uh, for that particular shoot. Um, so this was a, another sort of philosophy that you have when you're shooting is a, there are no lens changes, basically. Um, mm. You know, we had, the, we had the problem that we had to shoot in the 16.9 format, but... Other than that, when we were um, when we were fitted out with the anamorphic lens, that pretty much stayed on the camera, and I, I actually kept it in the, in the case with the lens on in case we had a problem with the fitting of it. You know, there's all sorts of these things that you start worrying about. You know, if you, oh yeah, if the Allen key for the lens goes missing and you just take it off and you can't refit the refit the lens because you haven't got the key, then you've got all. So basically, you know, I always 
directing is about thinking about what might go wrong. You know, that's that's what you do. And uh, I always thought, you know, if you keep the camera with the same lens on in in the same box, it all organised, and then you bring out the next day, do the same thing, and then put it back at the same. Thing, then hopefully you'll be all right. But in addition to the lens, we had a, a kind of a they call it a lens, a lens ring fitting and uh, a variable ND filter, which again is used to, as I described before, is used to moderate the light levels going into the into the camera. And you could you could turn that. It's quite a good device. You can turn it, and it it varies the amount of light going in without you having to play with different ND filters. You know, again, it's uh, saving time. So a lot of things that they're making with smartphones to uh, both in the software and the uh, fittings that enable you to work quickly, um, but it, it's it's a different kind of um, a different kind of way of working. Really, it's not the same. There are uh, you know no, and all things. the equipment is so small that you fear you know when you have larger equipment you have the cases to to put them in you know and everything. And so it's in a way it's easier to keep track of things, but these little, you know, the little lenses and the fittings and the little things for the smartphone are so tiny. Yes, I, I think it's a much more intricate process. And I think um, the uh, older school, if you like, older generation of people who might not, um, you know, come into this easily because of that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I do like. Uh, a more manual way of working with, you know, with the old lenses where you just put the lens on and you've got a focus barrel and you, um, you know, but buttons and switches and things like that. But when you come onto mobile phones, um, there's a lot of uh, fiddling with small screens and, um, you know, as you say, small fittings and attachments, which uh, you need to be quite... Um, Quite dexterous with your hands and also in the heat of the moment or, or actually in the cold of the moment if it's freezing cold you, you've got to try and operate an, a, a very small app on the phone you know in the heat of the moment trying to trying to get things in focus oh my and, gosh yes not only be, that updates updates yeah. on the app updates yeah that's right i mean and also people might call you <laughs> I've, I've been in the <laughs> middle of a shoot and i think my mum called um Aww. which was to totally my fault because i should have you know obviously had it on uh, another setting but yeah i mean it, it's um it's an interesting way i mean way of working i think i think things will will maybe turn turn around a bit and you know because things are quite intricate and uh, seemingly complex but i think um you know, they, they need to be a little bit perhaps more user-friendly in terms of, you know, working um, with problems. So um, with with a the more traditional, you know, camera format and uh, various lenses, you can quickly hit the focus and, you know, turn turn a dial, do this uh, manual operations on, on the body of the camera or the lens, and it immediately has effect an effect. But with a with a mobile phone, you have to be much more careful not to hit the wrong wrong setting, or for yeah. some sometimes the app would crash, for example. Um, whereas in a traditional, you know, old school film cine film camera, you wouldn't have the camera crashing. You'd have other problems. You know? so, yeah, I would not want to be a software developer for the for the camera 
the stuff because a lot of times it's not actually the app. There are so many, there's a, an operating system and, and other apps that can yeah. interfere with it and cause problems. Um, but my, my, my pet peeve is to put things in my pockets and then forget that I put things in my pockets and start <laughs> looking for them. <laughs> Yeah. Or looking for the camera phone, right? And you happen yeah. to be talking on it um, <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you can't imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, that is just crazy, isn't it? You can't imagine someone with a big camera. You know, to, Where's the camera? <laughs> that would never happen on a Spielberg set, would it? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're, that's a scene worth uh, having in a mobile film just for, for yeah. the giggles as it fades. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to call the hire company to get another camera, right. and then suddenly it's they like, realize that the where's the camera? I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 talking on it. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, in some ways I think that you know uh, there there are great things about smartphone filmmaking. I, I should continue to do it because it's going to develop and get even more exciting. I think, but. Um, there are some definite downsides that you have to look out for, you know, stress points, I guess you'd call them, in that um, what happens if, as you were saying, you know, these other apps on the phone or the operating system suddenly change themselves and then that affects the software that you're you're working on, um, you know, maybe crashes the app, you know, in some weird way because some other app has updated itself. Um, this this kind of thing can happen, you know, with software and there's no, there's about you know, 100 million permutations of what might go wrong, which will keep you up at night, you know, for two weeks. But when it is a serious consideration, because when you've got um, 10 people standing around all looking at you and you're you're saying, oh, dear, the, the phone has crashed. What am I going to do? You know, that it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a real issue. And they're not going to be too amused if they've traveled long distances. Well, and, the, you know, that, the, that's the thing the about it, though, James, is that now that you we just had this conversation for our listeners don't just bring one phone on set. <laughs> yeah. Remember the backup plan to the backup plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that is so true. I mean, um, you know, on, uh, was it? Yeah, on surveils, um, you know, I was, we did actually borrow my, my friend's phone. <laughs> this awesome. guy called Johnny Kinch, he was one of the actors, he was helping us out. I said, uh, can we use your phone for a few days? And we did end up doing that, um, you know, and so... In the morning, I'd set up all of the, uh, got me laughing about this because it was so ridiculous, but uh, out there I was setting all the lighting up and getting the actors in place. And, and then I had to go downstairs uh, to get Johnny's phone. He was making a coffee and, it, and he had to mute it and make sure, you know, all his <laughs> emails were answered and everything. And then we'd sort of attach it to all of these other gadgets and um, I'd give it back to him later in the evening, that evening. And isn't that crazy? And then, and then the other my phone eventually got delivered and then um, we swap over to that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about a, a big film shoot, though, you know, they, they would have to have contingencies. You know, if you've got an Aria Alexa for, you know, many tens of thousands of dollars or more um, and it goes wrong, you you have to have a backup plan. I, I, they use higher companies, though, so it's, the responsibilities are shifted and there's less pressure in that respect. I do remember being on a set um, and it was the last day of shooting. Um, and I'll never forget this where the AD had, so something happened to the camera and it was a Panasonic something. 
and something happened to it. And um, <laughs> the AD said, oh, that's fine. <laughs> I happen to have the same camera in the trunk of my car. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> Yeah. I thought he was joking and he comes back and he says, Yeah, I actually do. Yeah. Um but it but it happened on the last day of the shield. It was just crazy. Yeah, that is amazing, isn't it? I mean, you, you hear these stories, but you know, we're getting into a world now where maybe everyone's got a phone, you know, and potentially you know, everyone's got uh, a you know, a camera, a high quality camera that they're carrying around in their pocket. So does that make um does that make us all filmmakers and cinematographers? But I think we're getting to the point whereby if the quality and the uh, versatility of smartphones increases, are we in some way diminishing or making uh, cameras almost expendable, whereby it is a case of, well, uh, you know, you, you get all the other things in place and, and, and you know, set up the, the whole film shoot and say, oh, by the way, has anyone got their camera? Just, we just need that final element to slot in and it almost doesn't matter what the format is you know of course i i exaggerate but i think um because there are many different ways that you can use cameras and lenses and formats and all that kind of thing but i think it does mean now that the landscape has changed in terms of who is able to um make a film and more to the point who has access to the equipment to make the film exactly and and the thing is that um it's 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 all about the story really and the storyteller making a film, you know, and and knowing that, hey, I want to make a film. Hey, I actually could give that a shot, like pun intended, um, and uh-huh. and make a movie, you know, if I really wanted to somehow. And you know, you've got the power of Google, you got the power of social media, you got the power of um, funding campaigns. And you're, you're, you know, a, a, an entire community on Twitter. You can follow James. You can follow me <laughs> yeah, um, just do. to get started. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I think um, it, it's just wide open now. And, I mean, some people are saying uh, on social media that, you know, maybe it's there's just too many films and it's, um, you know, it's just going the wrong way and maybe there should be more gatekeepers who filter out certain kinds of films. And this is the nasty business that we're in, uh, in that uh, people judge um, your film, judge you, what you're shooting on and all that kind of thing. And then you have all sorts of um, gatekeepers and problems within the industry of getting your work noticed. Uh, but I always view, I sort of look at the music industry and as a kind of a weird, different comparison. And it hasn't really affected the fact that everyone can record an album or everyone can, um, you know, put make a music video and all that kind of thing it hasn't really affected the music industry adversely. I would just say it's different now, um, that, and this is the same with the film business. It's different, and it and it will make people at the top more scared um, and insecure. You know, the the traditionalists will find that things will shift like they have done in the music business. In my opinion, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think there's a level of intimidation that the the some of the people in the industry have had where it's like, no, 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 no one can make a film but me, really, and, and my few people here. You have to you have to know this. You have to use this. You have to do all this stuff and you have to have all this money. You have to have, 
this camera or that camera, that gear. You have to know all the little details and things like that. But I, I had a guy when I first started this, <laughs> when I first launched this, and um, I put it on LinkedIn, you know, out, out there. Yeah. And he messaged me. He says, are you kidding me? He says, are you telling me I spent 35 years of my life to get to this point? Are you telling me some punk on a skateboard <laughs> can make a movie with a phone? <laughs> and I was just like, wow, I didn't even think that you would be insulted by me bringing this up. But Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you know, get that all the time, don't you? I mean, it's yeah. like you, you insulted his very existence. So I think um, the um, those sort of institutionalized... Um, kind of traditionalists are, uh, you know, they're misguided really because, um, you know, and again, I, I come down to it, it's a form of snobbery. And um, mm -hmm. what you've got to do is you've got to be very tough in, mentally to deal with this kind of negativity, which will which will appear all well, the time. I did offer him a six pack of beer if he could go ahead and shoot with the phone and make a movie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> sort of got him in a better mood, but but yeah, but I, I do see a little bit of that going on on social media where, you know, someone will ask a simple question and a few people get on there and kind of get intimidating, you know, about the suggestions of what you how you must use this and do that and and start using a lot of terms that, you know, the average person doesn't really know about. They're just trying to make a movie with their phone. Yeah, I think so. a lot of um, snobs in the film business um, use technology as a shield, uh, as a, a kind of a defense mechanism. Mm, um, yeah. But, you know, as I was saying before, you know, a camera is a camera and, um, you know, it's all about storytelling. And, uh, it, you know, this, this thing about the technical um, side of things, I mean, um, people are really, really in, into cameras and they talk all this technical jargon all of the time. In a way, that's um, it's almost like their very status is built on the, the technical side of things. But in art and because we're, we're in the, uh, the business of um, art forms, you're creating art forms that people can sit and watch. You need to step back from all of that. And I think that's why very often you have directors often who don't have technical knowledge necessarily. I think personally, I think it helps if you have a degree of technical knowledge um, for various reasons. But um, you need the director position is one of, um, you know, good directors, I think, stand back from all of the technical worries and concerns that everyone um, will have. You know, you, you can you can get camera guys onto a set and, um, you know, they will start working and inevitably they will find all sorts of issues, no matter how simple your scene scene is. You know, you just got a guy there smoking a cigarette and saying his name. Uh, they will say, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure about the light and uh, maybe you should stand over there. And, you know, then suddenly your very simple scene becomes a, you know, an epic uh, that will require five days to shoot. So the director's job is to say, don't worry about it. That's you know, that's simple. But yeah, there's a few problems there with that plane flying overhead and the sun going uh, into the clouds, but it'll be fine. And we need to shoot it um, pretty swiftly and then move on to the next one. And that's a common thing, you know. I mean, you if you don't have that authority um, when you're producing and directing film, then your film shoot will probably take um, three years rather than three weeks, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, I've been on sets also. I mean, there has to be a strong bond between the director and the DP because they are really one. They're they're what they're accomplishing is one goal together. Um, and their communication has to be, you know, pretty tight. But but they do sort of somehow sometimes <laughs> um, have to walk away from the set together to argue yeah. and yeah. come back together and then, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Like the, st- the stories <laughs> of the what goes on with DPs and, you know, even some of the top um, DPs have been fired from a shoot, you know, it's uh, astonishing right. to think that that's actually the case. But, um, you know, um, it, for me, it's about trust and it's not just the DP, it's the rest of the people mm-hmm. um, as well that you're involved with. And I, you know, I've only learned this recently, really. I mean, you know, I talk as if I'm some great director who knows. Is it because of Caroline, what you Yeah, said? yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think you, you're getting to the nuts and bolts of this, isn't it? That really that Caroline drives most of what's going on and I'm just sort of, uh, you know, a rabbit in the headlights. But, no, I think really, um, I, I think trust is, is the main thing. So there are DPs that I've worked with who... Um, I just couldn't trust. As soon as my back was turned, they'd change the lens or do something else without my consent. Or, and you know, and then there, then there's, well, I'd say there's one or two that I've worked with who I really, really trust. Um, those people have gone on uh, to do some big, pretty big films, actually, and I, I hope I'd be able to work with them again in the future. But um, I tend to operate myself now, unless it's a big, unless we're you know doing a big project, and um, so I direct and operate the camera for that reason. I can I can kind of trust myself, but there's only probably two or three direct DOPs out there that I would tr- I know and trust, and I and it's not unusual. I think even you know big big directors tend to work with often the same crews and sometimes the same kind of actors you know so you, you it's all about trust and um when when there's so much at stake at whatever budget level you you really need to trust um those people and of course i can trust carolyn 100 percent. so there's no problem there mm-hmm. well you you it comes down to integrity and that's something you know uh listeners when we're talking about building your crew and your network and working with people together and the responsibility of all this um, you want to build on your integrity. You want to have that reputation. You do want people to say, oh, you want to work with, you know, so-and-so because um, I trust that person and I know they follow through and I can, you know, they're honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think um, the more I get into this game, I, the more I feel that it's kind of like a, a life story or life experience, you know, without sounding melodramatic. I think you learn so much about people within um, filmmaking and smartphone filmmaking. I think uh, it's a real, Caroline and I keep saying that this is a journey which, um, you know, our story must be told, you know, <laughs> probably in the form of a, a book or hopefully a film, you know, when when we've achieved something that, that we're moderately happy with in terms of distribution and we've we've had some a film out there that's um, been perhaps um, critically well received on a, on a bigger level than we've done so far then at that point I think our story which has been traumatic I have to say in places um, will come out and we'll, we'll be 
will be happy to tell it because I think it will be of use to a lot of people who feel insecure about art, making films, um, putting themselves out there because you put yourself on the line, you know, people will criticize your work um, ultimately. And I say, people that come on to my site, I say, I'm not your enemy and Caroline's not your enemy, but we're all friends here and we're all trying to do the same thing because the enemies will appear later on in the form of critics, in the, in the form of other jealous filmmakers who have some kind of agenda against you. And then, of course, you get all the wonderful people as well. But you you have to prepare yourself for the reality of the film business. It can be, it can be nasty. And so when you meet people that you can trust and when you work with um, great people, as you found out, Susie, I think with your your podcast festival and, and filmmaking, you know, you, you kind of stick and gravitate to those good people, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, and it comes back around uh, to where, where we started, just to bring this back into a circle, um, the intensity of the work um, the hours that you work, the, the, you know, the hard work and, and, and the hours that you're putting in to create something together, no one wants to see that fall through. One little piece here can blow the whole thing. I mean, just one light bulb, you know what I'm saying, can blow the entire film, um, if you think about it in that way. And um, so in, in that sense, filmmaking is a very intense uh, journey in a way that you explained it. And so, you know, if yeah. you, if you're going to go into it, you might as well just use the phone <laughs> and owe nobody anything. And if you fail because you just, you decide, I don't, this is not for me. You've hurt yeah. no one. I think that's you really sensible. Yeah. Walk absolutely. away. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely think that smartphone filmmaking is, what people should be doing. I mean, I don't understand in in film schools, so people have come out of film school in, in Britain, um, I don't know what they're teaching them, but first of all, they should teach them to shoot, a, uh, you know, just a simple dialogue scene on their phone, you know, just without any uh, props or anything like that, um, without any lighting necessarily, and just try and get the actors to stand in the right position and then see if the scene cuts together. But often people have come out of film school not able to, cut the scene together you know they they're too worried about the lighting too worried about different lenses too worried about Stanley Kubrick or other directors and how they would do it and I think the the phones enable you to first of all get started and do a basic scene um, you know a basic composition and that's the beauty of them and this will improve um, people's filmmaking and, and they don't have to go through that sort of rookie student filmmaker kind of thing by the time they've um by the time they've practiced enough um with without spending any money you should be able to do the basics reasonably well and that, that's the beauty i think of um yeah it's smart, great smart how earth. you can how you can just like shoot something and you see it's like looking through a window you see exactly what you're gonna get then then you then you go through it with somebody and you go you know that really sucked and so you just delete it and start over again yeah that's right imagine if you're shooting on 35 millimeter uh, cine, cine yeah, film. You i mean go through the dailies and developing oh, yeah yeah even if it was eight millimeter like years ago those little cameras um my father used to have one um it's still a process you've got to get that that uh, film developed the high, and then you the high eight the high yeah, eight that's yeah. it. 
Yeah. It's I was a media manager, so I, I had to deal with a lot of uh, old camera footage and, and things like that uh, just to create one simple phone. Because I was also in video production uh, right. like you guys were. And sometimes, you know, your client comes over, well, my kid shot something with this and I <laughs> shot something with that. And you're like, ah. Yeah, multi. Put it all together, it looks horrible. <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's a, so many different formats that you can shoot in, but um, yeah. the, and then there's the video versus um, celluloid debate and all that, and the, and now the smartphone versus um, you know ca- standard camera body debate and all this kind of. Thing. But if you look at it as again, you step back from it as director or as a filmmaker and look, look at it with a perspective you think people are, are talking and discussing about silly things really because the audience when they sat in that theater they're going to be they're interested in those characters and yes uh, you know the lighting if you know be, how to cut it together and and, yeah, and it's all right. in the transitions where you you go how did that work how did yeah. you shift this from here to there and not make it loud if you know yeah. what i mean you know yeah. in your mind Absolutely. I think, I think you know, some of the best films that you see are quite simple in the way that they're, they're cut together. Um, as I say, you know, one of, the, one of the things I really try to do is not uh, is to simplify things and be wary of people who try to overcomplicate anything, because this isn't a complicated business, really, in my opinion. Um, I think it's, um, it has its complexities, but we're not sending people to Mars. You know, I think that's a much more complicated exercise. And, Wait, um, sending people to Mars is complicated? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, trying to um, sort out the, uh, the kind of scientific and medical aspects of the coronavirus. I think that's pretty complicated. But, yeah. you know, so people keep the – basically you just keep your feet on the ground when, you, when you're making a film. There's always going to be someone on – on set who pops up and trying to make things sound as if we are sending people to Mars, but actually um, you need to silence those people pretty quickly because they'll only slow down (laughs) your shoot. (laughs) Uh, Well, we, uh, you know, uh, this has been such an awesome conversation. Um, I, I really do welcome you and Caroline to come to San Diego Uh, You know, I'm I'm down to give you guys the best tacos in the world, which live here. (laughs) Wow! Yeah, you're wrong, definitely. Yeah, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of places where we can shoot. I know just about everywhere in San Diego that you can think of um, that make some pretty cool locations, especially out in the outer areas um, that nobody knows about. (laughs) <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah, so you're our you're our contact in um, in yeah. San Diego. I mean, yeah, we're we're very can-do people, and I think um, we're already excited about it, and we, we we will come out there. You know, I think uh, there, there's so many interesting things about that uh, area, and it's kind of similarities to southern Spain that we know quite well. And and I'm also excited about filming out there. Uh, smartphone filmmaking, I think, would be a good a good thing to do. Not only with our interest in what you're doing and our collaboration but also because of the light and the different kinds of things um you know the culture and everything that we can capture um, without spending huge amounts of money or closing roads you know what i mean yes yes and actually when (laughs) we filmed out uh, in the mountains out here because i used to live out in the mountains and the only notice what we had to do was basically i called the sheriff's you know, the sheriff's station and said, so we're going to have two old women, older women, sorry, (laughs) don't want to insult anyone, but they were in their 70s (laughs) and they were going to walk down the the little 
uh, road uh, with literally holding AK 47s. Uh, <laughs> this is getting better, yeah. <laughs> and they're going to get chased by a horse. Um, and uh, and they're like, uh, what is this for? And I said, well, we're good because we're making a movie. They're like, yeah, all right, okay. Wow. Well, that, <laughs> that good. was that. Now we know so that if somebody calls, that's really the whole purpose of it. If somebody calls and says there are two old ladies walking down the street with an AK-47, <laughs> uh, they'll be like, yeah, that's okay. They're filming, you know? <laughs> wow. Wow. You, you guys must be pretty laid back over there. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, you know. Uh, you don't see that every day, do you? <laughs> <laughs> not, not like you guys. You guys are all uptight out there, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. No, I, I think if I walked down the road here with an AK-47, there'd be helicopters and, you know, they'd cuff me and all that. Um, well, especially, especially now. <laughs> especially now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. I think it's uh, – yeah, people are a bit uh, tense here. But I, I think um, – I think we will uh, kind of get through this gradually, but it, it is a bit bizarre at the moment. But again, I'm I'm standing here thinking, well, okay, I've got this smartphone um, equipment with that anamorphic lens in the loft, and I'm 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 now wondering about maybe I should get out and start filming something. Um, I think it's it's a good time for people to start document. This is a once in a lifetime. Who knows? It could be a hundred and twenty years before you know, uh, anything like this ever happens again. And, you know, um, it could be a good time. I mean, to just get out there and film stuff and then film yourself and document, you know, do, um, like I am legend. Yeah. You know, like Will Smith. Absolutely. I think there's, um, yeah, for people who want to do documentaries or something related to that, I, I think it's um, certainly a, a unique time. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and even and even yeah. if you don't, you know, you have it for yourself, and you can always look back on it, and then maybe your your children or your grandchildren or somebody else might want it and and do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, there's no point as filmmakers sitting around waiting for the pandemic to end because we don't know when it's going to end or how it's going to end. Yeah, um, and those. Those camera phones are sat there waiting to be used, aren't they, with the Filmic Pro app? And <laughs> let's right. go make we got a the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's go and do well, it. Well, one, what the only last thing that I want to do is just for you to give uh, an inspiring message <laughs> to our <laughs> listeners. I'm laughing because it's like, well, you you were definitely not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> But if you could do that for listeners, that would be wonderful. And and then you can go about the rest of your day. Yeah, well, getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and talking about it, which, so is, which is not so. I appreciate you. Well, it's not early you know, in terms of the film business. But uh, an inspiring message. Well, I think, um, yeah, it's difficult to say. I think in terms of filmmaking, um, the show must go on. And you, you, you have got the ability now with the smartphones to to make a film and even though it might not be easy at the at the time you know going out or maybe doing a bit of document you know documenting your experience or coming up with some kind of creative idea as i keep saying to people when they're making a film you just keep going because when you keep going and then you look back you think actually that wasn't bad I, i actually did that i filmed that i've got the footage but if you do nothing then um that also will be the case. You'll have nothing to look back on. You'll have no footage. So it's great. You've got the ability to do this. So go and do it. You know, if you have got a, if you have got a smartphone, you don't have to necessarily, if you just want to do it for yourself, 
then do that. Um, but there's a lot of benefits that may be difficult to define sometimes that you can get by just creating stuff. And um, yeah, with this new technology, it's all there. So I hope that inspires people anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's inspired me. I'm going to have to go and film something now today. I'm definitely going to have to do that. <laughs> definitely. Well, uh, give everybody your uh, your Twitter. What is your Twitter? Um, yeah, it's uh, J Smith Writer. That's Twitter. I think that's the same for Instagram. And then also um, the company is at Raya Films for Twitter as well. So, Well, we're going to include that in the notes as well, of course. Uh, and then we'll also, just in case someone would like to, um, you know, be a part of your uh, crowdfunding campaign. Um, yeah. Um, we'll that there for yeah so casting kill we're hoping to shoot that in somewhere around february march if it all goes well and it's at casting kill on twitter and instagram i don't know i don't know where you came up with that name but it's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was um yeah i think people when they see the film they'll they'll understand where that came from <laughs> <laughs> all right all right, say goodbye to our listeners. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for listening. Support the SBB podcast with Susie. It's fantastic. And get filming. Thank you. <laughs>